Hello, it is August 19th, 2021, and this is the Gridiron Fantasy Football Podcast. Cut me up, I'm on display like a broken mirror, you can't look away. I'm your host, Tuck Breeze, and I am joined here once again by the lovely Scott Shattuck. Scott, how are you, sir? I'm doing very well, thank you, sir. It's another beautiful day here in Texas, and uh, it's getting closer and closer to football every single day, and I love it. You know, I, you know, fantasy's getting closer, but real football's getting closer, and every day you're reading new headlines about uh, players making plays, injuries, uh, roster changes, QB battles. Uh, I'm, I'm loving it. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I know last week we talked about the Steagles and how the Steagles game was going on. This week we got the Peagles, uh, Patriots-Eagles going on. I know there's no Jalen Hurts this week, so all you Eagles fans not seeing a real representation of you know your actual team, but... Uh, but yeah, I mean, football's going on. I'm trying to spread out, uh, you know, my watching as much as possible, not trying to focus so much on football. Usually this year, every minute of every day that I'm not working or I'm not with my family, I'm watching NFL Network or some kind of football programming. This week, I'm trying to relax, trying to spread it out a little bit. Sometimes uh, too much information can be bad for you. It, you overanalyze. You start making these moves. We Again, we have a move limit in our league. You start making these moves. You start jumping on all these ships uh, of, of players that you may not need to. Uh, you know, the preseason hype is a real thing. It's a real thing. There's not much else to talk about, but uh, good things that are happening in practice. So uh, it's good to kind of unplug every once in a while. And speaking of unplugging, have you been watching anything besides football? Any uh, anything in the in the media out there? Yeah, yeah, I've been watching a good amount of things. Uh, first of all, I want to say I, I took uh, Danny Walton's recommendation a few episodes back. He, he recommended a show on HBO called Hacks, and I actually watched the full first season with uh, my fiance. It, it was very good. It was it was a nice um, kind of a boomer meets uh, Gen Z. A comedian to writer relationship that had a real uh, like a real good uh, kind of reality and heart to it that uh that was, it was really it was a pretty good show and there looks like they're gearing up for a second season at some point um i've also been i've also been watching a little uh so this is a little off off uh so you might not be watching this but it's called the what if series of marvel so it's a i, I saw that yeah um, and so a lot of people are not necessarily watching it, but the key from it is that it's all like kind of uh, part of this multiverse uh, aspect and everything in it is canon. So they could pull a character from this what if series into the live action movie or fo- uh, upcoming series at some point. Okay. Um, for instance, the first episode is Peggy Carter, the, the lady that Captain America falls in love with. Right. She ends up becoming like, Cap- Captain Carter and like she gets the shot. Female Captain um, America. Yeah, I yeah, saw that. Female Captain America, you know, things like that. So there's a lot of different possibilities. So just one of those things, like if anybody's ever interested in watching it, you know, just to think down the road, they could bring one of these characters. And I'm one I'm really looking forward to is a uh, zombie Captain America. Really? Yeah, oh. that, that one looks pretty sweet. Wow. Hopefully they reveal that around Halloween time. I love that time of the year. Um, yeah, I kept up with the MCU. 
Um, every single minute of every single moment of the MCU in the first phase, first few phases. And now that they've unveiled the, the multiverse, it becomes infinitely more complicated. And that's great. I love it. Uh, but there are so many things that they can incorporate into that, uh, that, that, you know, can make it, you know, multidimensional and, and just a really, really good series. So um, I might have to check that out. I, I saw that in a preview uh, when I was watching something the other day. Um, yeah, I know I've sprinkled in a little bit of hard knocks here and there. Uh, I know, you know, I try not to plug everything in football. I took recommendations from our draft and watched the a Woodstock 99 documentary on, on HBO. How was uh, that? That was interesting to say the least. I, I have to say I was 12 years old. I don't really remember Woodstock 99. I remember the music. I wasn't so uh, into Limp Biscuit at the time. I actually wasn't really into Rage Against the Machine and all that at the time. I was more of a um, alternative type music person. Yeah. Uh, you know, Metallica and stuff like that never really, uh, you know, interested me that much. So it's it was crazy to see, you know, people died. Uh, the, the whole Air Force base was pulled apart, taken apart. And since then, we really haven't seen a Woodstock, which is kind of sad. You know, there's been the the age of the festival has is upon us. So in the last decade or decade and a half there's been tons of different festivals that have made you know money hand over fist and woodstock kind of started all that and now it's been it's kind of extinct so uh, it's interesting to see if you have it if, you know have an hour hour and a half to go ahead and watch that it's it's really a good watch interesting well yeah uh let's let's get in some football news here uh sadly today carl carl lawson for the jets ruptured his achilles um is this the worst defense in the NFL? The Jets? It's possible. It's possible. I mean, they're they're definitely a contender. You know, there's a few uh, running around out there. I mean, the Texans might be one of them. I mean, not necessarily because they're so bad on defense, but because their offense might be so bad that the defense might be out there all day. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, you know, possibilities like the Detroit Lions uh, defense, kind of the same thing. They're not necessarily that bad, but their offense might be so bad that they might be out there all day kind of thing. And there's, it's kind of, it comes, comes and goes with game script because defenses can't play too many snaps. If they play too many snaps, they're just going to be dogged and they're going to be tired. And that, then it's just, then they're just, they're going to be running down, uh, run up and down the field. So yeah, they might be one of the worst defenses. I mean, the Jets are known for that. So uh, that actually spells great news for uh, Zach, Zach Wilson owner. So, Yeah. Uh, like, when I say bad defense, if you had a quarterback or running back going up against the Jets, I mean, would there be any other team that you prefer besides the Jets? I mean, can you name a Jets defender, period? Can you? C.J. Mosley. Okay, C.J. Mosley there in the middle. I know he was absent last year. That's pretty popular. Who who else? Marcus May. Marcus Uh, May, yeah. um, Just because he replaced Jamal Adams, and he did pretty well at it. I mean, you know, he he was no slouch. Um, Right. uh, You know, so, I mean, they've got a couple spots. And I'm not saying that necessarily the guys there are that bad. They are professionals. But when they're on the field, you know, three times as much as any other defense because their offense can't get a first down, you know, that, that 
kind of not only get gets them tired physically, but it gets them tired mentally because they're just like they're they get defeated uh, quicker because they're just like offense ain't gonna do shit. We're the fucking Jets, like yeah. you know. So it's it's one of those kinds of things. It's a, it's a it's a dark rabbit hole. Yeah, last year they were the uh, bottom ten in uh, total yardage on defense, uh, total passing yards on defense, and total points on defense. And losing somebody like Carl Lawson, who was probably their most prolific pass rusher, it's just not going to help. I mean, that's just not something you want to see if you're a uh, Zach Wilson owner. This might be... Uh, Injuries are never good news. I'm not going to say that. Coming from a fantasy perspective, though... Yeah, no one's ever hoping for an injury or anything, but it's just saying this this could mean Zach Wilson will have to throw more. Yeah. I mean, the, the offense will definitely be on the field. Um, I would say that this is a team that's going to be terrible. I mean, terrible as in a la Lions of, you know, five years ago, Texans in the past and, and stuff like that. I just, I think they're going to be, uh, you know, I don't want to say historically bad because they do have decent pieces on offense. And I like the Michael Carter edition. I like the Corey Davis, uh, edition over there. Um, but like, Coming up from Adam Gates last year, it's going to take more than just one year to get themselves on their feet, especially with uh, you know, the Dolphins looking pretty good facing them twice and uh, the Bills looking like a like a powerhouse, like an AFC championship contender. They have to face them twice. I think the Jets are, are, are probably going to be in trouble this year. So um, just looking at week one, daily fantasy betting, stuff like that. If you're looking against that Jets defense, uh, you, you may want to bet the over, uh, bet against the Jets, or take uh, those players. I think it's the Carolina. Uh, so Sam Darnold gets to uh, come in there and, and play against the Jets week one, which is a good thing, uh, and, you know, especially for me as a Sam Darnold owner. Um, but uh, Carolina's looking, looking pretty week one. All right, let's uh, go to some other news. Antonio Brown punch out. Did you see that today? Uh, how could I not? I mean, that that is uh, classic Antonio Brown. I mean, it is – I mean, it's not rare for there to be, you know, brawls and training camp and stuff, but usually it's when they have, like, joint practices with another team and it's, like, against another team, not, like, your own teammate. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I can't say I'm su- surprised. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean – I know you're a huge Antonio Brown fan. If anybody mentions Antonio Brown in like a group chat or, uh, you know, a group setting or, you know, when we're at the draft or just talking football in general, you are the first to come and hate on Antonio Brown. I guess he left such a uh, bad taste in your mouth as a Pittsburgh fan. huh? Well, I mean, you know, you're, you're there as like the best wide receiver in the league and, I mean, he's got issues. He's got issues that he literally needs professional help for. So it's like, it's not that much that like, while I am upset, it's like he needs help. So it's like, and you know, the fame and the money and the the followers all kind of went to his head and, and it, fuck, it fucked him up. And, you know, he's got issues with his family and his kids and he posts the shit online and it's just, you know, it's not pretty to watch. And, you know, meanwhile, I'm just like, man, just go out there and catch touchdowns for the Steelers like you used to. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of selfish, but it's also like, you know, he, he needs help. So it's like, 
you know, it's just in those days when the Steelers had Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, they had, you know, number one wide receiver and running back basically in the league. And uh, they, they couldn't put it together for a championship. And that, that, and that was sad. And then he just like goes down to Tampa as a wide receiver three or four. And he's like, oh, I got a ring. You know, but you know, so it's kind of, it's kind of annoying, but uh, you know, to see him punch someone out, I'm like, Oh, there's the old Antonio. I know there he is. He's not very far from the tree. So if by your prediction, uh, you know, I don't know. I I don't think the, the bucks are as no nonsense as maybe the Patriots were, but is Antonio Brown on this team for the long run? Do you think he plays all game every game this year? And if not, do you think it's Scotty Miller time? No, I think I think Antonio Brown has no problem there. I don't think he he can punch Arians in the face, probably, you know, like go close to and still be on the team. Like yeah. I think I think it's kind of a player's team there. Uh Arians is just lucky enough to have Tom calling the plays for him and he can, you know, pretend like he he made the master plan essentially. So because I mean, Mike Evans has injury issues. Uh, Chris Godwin's been injured before too. So if anybody goes down, Antonio steps right in, and they don't miss a beat. So it's you, you can't you can't th- throw that away for him being a shithead. You knew he was a shithead when you got there. So like, yeah, it's just amazing to me how somebody can make so many mistakes in a row. Uh, you know, playing football. I mean, he's been giving chance after chance after chance after chance, and it just shows that talent rules above all. You know, there's, exactly. there's, if you're good at playing football, um, there's really nothing that can stop you from getting on the field. So, okay, let's, uh, let's talk about uh, preseason injury red flags. So I've been looking into this lately. There are some concerning things. I think I watched uh, something, a, a doctor coming out and saying that there's a 40% chance of players with soft tissue injuries repeating those in the regular season, if they get them in the preseason. So it's very concerning in the preseason if some of these people get injured. Uh, Robbie Anderson has come out and said that he had a soft tissue problem. Uh, We've talked about Waller earlier in the season. He returned to practice, uh, but that, you know, he's shown that he hasn't been healthy in the preseason. Obviously, uh, Carson Wentz, who was definitely rushing back from uh, an injury himself, a pretty extensive injury. They were supposed to be out for four to 12 weeks. Now he's uh, coming in at the three week timetable um, to, to try to start week one for the Colts. Are these red flags for you? Are, are, does this concern you? Would you, uh, as a fantasy owner, would you, would you be panicking at, at some of these injuries? Um, I wouldn't, show panic if I owned those players, but I would definitely be concerned for them because honestly, right now, a lot of them are, like you were saying, they're they're soft tissue injuries that aren't going to heal in time because they're trying to make the team. They're trying to make sure that Wentz isn't traded to their team. They're trying to make plays in the preseason. They're trying to, you know, make money. So there's a lot of things that are pushing them to say, like, just tough it out and play through it which means that they'll just make it worse. And honestly, right now, if like just practicing football has been like detrimental on their health, shit's going to get tougher. The regular season isn't going to be a cakewalk. It's going to be harder. They're going to get hit fucking by people that don't like them, by people that are not on their team. So if they can't handle practice in the preseason, 
to me, that usually says they can't handle the regular season. Now, we can live a life of the glass is half full, and if you want to bet on Carson Wentz to have a foot that he's not fucking, like, just crying in pain every time he steps on or maybe his guards takes a step back early after the snap and steps on it, anything could fucking happen. And it's just so fragile. It's so fragile. To me, it, when preseason starts, when regular season starts – it, you know, it gets tough. And when it gets tough, the tough get going. Mm-hmm. And if you're not, you're either, you're either with it or you're not. Yeah. No, I, and I understand that you hate to see people have repeat injuries. So like, this is the first time you've seen something from Waller, but I believe in the past we've seen Robbie Anderson go down with some kind of soft tissue injury. Uh, I mean, he is a burner. He's a guy that runs the fly and can stretch the field. So that's pretty much what he does. Um, that is a tag concerning, but Carson Wentz is one of those guys where it's like, yeah, I know when people are coming in the fantasy drafts, they're not spending a lot of draft capital on Carson Wentz. They're drafting him really late, but it's one of, to me, another injury is like going to happen. Like it's going to happen. You know, I believe I called the first one early on. We were talking about the quarterback podcast and I said, there's no way Carson Wentz lasts the whole season. And then a few weeks later, it's like this, this foot injury. I'm telling you, it just, where there's smoke, there's fire. Right. He's just not going to be there. Uh, you know, the Dak thing definitely worries me. Uh, I know Dak was pretty dependent, um, or not dependent, pretty reliable prior to, you know, his foot twisting the wrong way. But he's come back and he has that little throwing issue. That that bothers me. Uh, I know the, the uh, Cowboys are taking it easy. And, you know, we watched Hard Knocks. What really worried me was Jerry Jones talking to the Rangers and Yankees uh, medical people. Because, you know, in baseball, that's a normal injury. You know, having some, some arm fatigue, having some kind of irregular feelings when you're, ta- when you're making a throw. Um, so it was just, to me... Yeah, but... It- in baseball, you're protected. In baseball, you're not about to get destroyed by a 300-pound defensive lineman. True. Matt, what what happens after that? He gets sacked on that shoulder. Yeah. No, I yeah. I know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that could it could really affect his whole season. And then we're talking, uh, you know, some some backups that they have at the their backups did not look good. Uh, you know, Danucci. Uh, and, and some other people, they just did not look good. The Cowboys season goes down the drain again. I mean, everything's riding on Dak right now. So that, that's if I'm a Dak owner and he's owned in pr- pretty much every league and, and those who are spending up on him, especially in these two quarterback leagues, uh, super flex, like we're in, I mean, this is almost their season as well. So it's definitely something to watch. I think that's, that's something that I would definitely be worried about until week one, he goes out there and starts throwing the ball around. Um, yeah. You know, he's got the weapons. He's got everything he needs to be successful this season. It's just health, just health. Um, all right. Well, again, it's, it's another week in the football world. So let's talk about Deshaun Watson and the circus going on there. Um, looks like he came out uh, and, and there's a, a grand jury has been uh, notified of, of what's going on. I don't know if they're going to accept the case or not, but they're looking into whether or not these people are credible. Um, I think Deshaun Watson's lawyer 
has done a decent job of trying to discredit these people. Now, again, I'm not on any side of this. I think that uh, you're, you're innocent once proved until proven guilty until proven guilty. Uh, and right now it doesn't look good for Deshaun Watson, but uh, you have to let this stuff play out in the, in the rule of law. Um, I also think that, that the opposing lawyer coming out and getting the F- FBI involved and coming out and going to the press saying the FBI is investigating, not saying what they're investigating, but investigating Deshaun Watson and have definitely talked to Deshaun Watson uh, kind of puts a eerie shadow over the whole thing. Uh, there was light at the end of the tunnel right there for a little bit about a couple of weeks ago when Deshaun Watson took the field, was giving autographs, um, participating in drills, talking to the GM and the head coach and, and whatever. And then it all kind of came crashing down with this news. And then him getting in front of the camera and saying, why the fuck do you guys uh, video me every day? It's the same old shit all the time. I mean, this has gone back and forth, back and forth. Is there anything new that you can add to the situation that you think Deshaun will start for the Texans this year or start for another team? I think he's, I think he's losing trade value. I think he's losing trade value every day right now. I mean, especially with that kind of comment to the, uh, to the cameras, things like that. I mean, you got to think like, I mean, say they've been talking about the Eagles uh, being in trade rumors or any team being in trade rumors, talking about wanting, you know, multiple first round picks for him. I mean, as a team, would you, I'm well, yes, Deshaun Watson is very talented. Would you want him to be the face of your franchise or would you rather bet on a young, new, fresh, non-fingers and butthole kind of player? Like, you could – like, I just feel like it would be better to bet, especially with, like, multiple first-round picks. You're talking about multiple possible Deshauns, essentially, because he was a first-round pick. So, it, like, it, I don't – the risk does not out, uh, outweigh the, the reward for me because the team would have to be ready to win a Super Bowl, basically. Mm-hmm. And I don't see him doing that really. He doesn't have the playoff experience for it. So I don't not like, I don't see him doing it immediately. Maybe sometime in his career, he's very talented. Uh, we, we never know what's going to happen, but I don't see that happening right away. Yeah, so I don't amount of playoff experience. I mean, it's not, not losing consistent. the playoffs is not like playoff experience. He's won a few games. I mean, the, the Texans got were one, well, I won't say one, two quarters away from um, going to the AFC championship and, uh, you know, playing the Titans a few years back. And who knows what would have happened there. There, You know, Deshaun Watson has proven that he can be a top five quarterback in the league. So I know you say it's risky. There's always, always, always going to be people when stuff like this which is absolutely terrible. I mean, if proven true, it's, it's awful. Uh, but there's always, always, always going to be people, especially non Houston media people and non Houston fans are going to come out and say, he should never play a, a, a down in the NFL ever again. And it's going to infect other people's brains and be like, yeah, you're right. You know, this guy, if he, if he actually, you know, got a finger in his asshole, never again, should he play in the NFL? But the truth is, and I've talked about this earlier, the truth is, um, as long as he doesn't go to jail, and even if he does, and we saw it with Michael Vick, as long as he doesn't go to jail, he's going to play football next season. He's, he's that talented. We just talked about it with Antonio Brown. 
Antonio Brown's fucked up so many times. Been on the commissioner's exempt list so many times. And yet, he won a Super Bowl, and now he's the number three receiver for Tom Brady, the most the best football player of all time. So, yeah, 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 he's sleeping on his couch. No, but I'm just saying that Deshaun Watson, um, this is a black eye on his career for sure. Just like there's been black eyes on other people, other people's careers. Some of the most famous people, some of the most famous athletes in the history of sports, Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, all have black eyes in their careers. Uh, this is a black eye on Deshaun Watson's career. Will he play it's football part, again? Part of being on the spotlight. Part I of mean, being spotlight, Everybody's yeah. got something in their life they wouldn't love to be wor- like completely public. Right. And everybody's yeah. gunning for you. Not saying Deshaun Watson doesn't deserve this because he absolutely does. I mean, something brought this. Uh, this doesn't come out of nowhere. 20 women do not come, uh, get together and have you know, a conspiracy or get together and, and say, hey, let's all extort this guy for money, this NFL quarterback for money. It just doesn't happen. There's something that went wrong. Is it criminal enough for him not to play football and to uh, pay restitution? That's up for the courts to decide. But he's going to play football, whether it be this season or next season, whether it be for the Texans or another team. Um, but speaking from a front office point of view, they had deals that were ready to happen with other teams. Um, they had uh, apparently deals ready to happen with the Eagles. Um, these teams came out and I can totally understand this and said the draft pick compensation, the compensation as a whole depends on whether Deshaun plays for us this season and depends on what happens with the courts. And the Texans said, no, 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 no. We are not taking that risk. We'll sit on him. We will sit on this player. We will, we're going to commit to him being our starter. That's what they came out and said. Um, they're trying to play that front office game and I, applaud them for it. I think that selling uh, Deshaun Watson for cents on the dollar is a stupid move. And I think that uh, they should hold out to see what, what happens. My only hope as a Texans fan, um, well, my first hope, I have to say, you know, is that whatever, that the truth comes out, whatever it may be. But my only hope as a Texans fan is this done over, this is over faster than <laughs> you know, the first eight weeks. I, I hope this does not linger into next year. I, I really hope that the courts get the truth out. If he is guilty, he absolutely deserves whatever comes to him. If he is not guilty, let's, uh, you know, get him on the exemplist and have him serve his time and, and get him back on the football field. Let's just get this behind us. And, uh, you know, hopefully we get that news sooner than later. But Okay. So what we're going to do now is a little thing called waiver wire watch. What I want, and we haven't done this so far this year, because obviously uh, in our league, we just had our draft a couple weeks ago. Damn, it's been two weeks. Um, I want you to give me one unowned player, Scott. That's the apple of your eye. And tell me why you like them uh, or why you would, you would make a move for them. I actually, he's a he's not a super popular guy, but uh, John Bostic. Uh, he's a linebacker for the Washington football team. He's inside linebacker. He missed a few games last year, so his total wasn't huge. But when he's in, he's very solid. And I think, I mean, 
he is in a very opportunistic defense that will have a heavy pass rush ahead of him, and he's in a great spot to make plays. Mm-hmm. He just needs to keep have a nose for the ball and get to the ball, which when he's healthy, he's a very solid guy for, uh, for tackles and a, few, and a few turnovers, and I think this is probably the best the defense has ever been, so there should be a lot of turnovers on this defense, very opportunistic. Uh, like I said, not a super flashy guy, but John Bostick's one a solid linebacker that I think a lot of people have holes in their defense that could use a, line, a solid linebacker that they could give, get you 10 to 15 points a week. True. I mean, 10 to 15 points, that's that's uh, that's quite a lot from an IDP standpoint, for sure. Um, I'm going to go with Noah Fant. I was surprised nobody drafted him. Um, it's pretty – that's a low-hanging fruit here. Um, I believe in, in Yahoo leagues, he's 94% owned. So out of t- the top 12 um, of all linebackers, if you're playing in 12 people leagues, uh, 94% of them. I mean, some of these people play in 16, 18 team leagues and no offense is still, still owned. Uh, I just think that if Drew Locke wins the starting spot, which news says that he's close to, to locking up, you know, um, then Noah Fant becomes a, a pretty good target there. Um, even if Teddy Bridgewater wins, he's still a good underneath target. I think he's just talented enough to, to beat some of the people's tight ends that are in our league. Uh, and, you know, I would give him a second look if my tight end were to get injured or, or whatever. I mean, I never, especially in one tight end leagues, which we play in 14 team, one tight end leagues, I never suggest that you waste one of your bench spots on another tight end, but as far as, as this guy's concerned, um, he could be, I mean, a top five tight end if, if he's leaned on enough. I mean, these receivers in Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy and now Hamler showing up in that, in that week one preseason game, Fant could get some looks, you know, anywhere from 50 to 80 targets this year uh, in, in a land of, Mediocre tight ends, which are five to ten and ten to fifteen. Uh, this guy's a star, and I think he needs to be rostered for sure. So, that's my waiver wire guy. Um, okay, now we're gonna get the hate going. Hey, 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 um, Trash time. We're gonna give the worst player at every offensive position that is currently owned and started in our league. I'm going to go first at QB. I'm going to go Jared Goff. And I know, surprise, surprise. I just think that uh, what was shown last year as a Ram was so sad. And like you said, he he was with an offensive guru last year. And they tried to make it work. I know he was hurt. I know he had some thumb problems. uh, But he just couldn't put it all together. I mean, you got Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, uh, a couple decent tight ends, Cam Akers. Uh, decent O line, and he just couldn't do it. Uh, the Rams had really high hopes for this guy. Traded him and a few like upper echelon picks uh, for for a, a quarterback who's like five years older than Jared Goff. That's never really had any luck in the playoffs. It's that's how much the Rams thought of Jared Goff. He's joining a team where his number one receiver is probably Brashad Perriman. I know they drafted uh, Amon Ra. Uh, they do have Hawkinson underneath, but their running back situation is a little weak and their O-line is shaky. Jared Goff is a nightmare. 
Uh, I know his job security is okay, but I really honestly think he is the worst started quarterback in our league. How about you? What do you think? I mean, I'm, I'm going to throw a little, uh, I think each one of us sh- should throw a little defense for each person that we say for their, sure. uh, for their, I think Goff has a chance. His upside could be his volume. His upside could be the fact that his defense is so bad that they're down by 20 points in the first quarter every game, and he has no chance but to, uh, no no choice but to throw it all the time. So I, I think that, while as terrible as he may be, he could end up with plenty of yards and garbage touchdowns. Okay, and and that's that's a positive. Okay, I can uh, I can get with that. The fact that they're going to be down all the time may give Goff a chance to air it out and maybe be like a Bortles trash time kind of guy. Exactly. A Ryan okay. Fitzpatrick back on the Jets kind of thing. Yeah. Where he collects points in the third and fourth quarter off of just, uh, you know, tossing around. Yeah. Just five, five wide, you know, just bombing it all day. So you never yep. know. Yep. For me, the worst quarterback being started in the league right now would have to be Jameis Winston. Um, while as much as I've been rooting for him, uh, in the preseason and er, in training camp so far, it doesn't seem like a good situation for him right now. Uh, because this can go one of two ways, either he wins the job and when they get into the red zone, Taysom comes in anyways, or he loses the job. And when they get into the red zone, Jameis stays on the bench. Okay. Like it's not there. The possibilities are it's are narrowing down for him. And even if he wins, I think he still loses because Taysom still comes in a decent amount. Okay. Let thank you for giving me a chance to defend myself because I, I'm ready. I'm ready to defend myself on Jameis. I and I, for anybody listening that doesn't know, I am uh, Jameis Truther this year. I think James is going to have a a fine year at quarterback. Um. Let's play a hypothetical game, shall we? I'd love to. Drew Brees did not retire. Where do you take Drew Brees in the current Saints situation with Taysom? Drew Brees didn't retire. Where do you take Drew Brees this year? I'm dra- if we're drafting today, and I know that Michael Thomas is absentee slash injured slash waiting waited to do his surgery. Uh, what did Treadwell is hurt? Uh, Callaway's, yeah, Callaway's your best receiver. Uh, Troutman's doing nothing but blocking in preseason training camp so far. Uh, it's he's dropped out of my top five. Oh, because, absolutely, especially because of the last. Like, I mean, he used to be a perennial top five quarterback, but sure. I mean, just the past couple of years. I mean, even if say he had stuck it out for one more year, like. Every, everybody was starting to catch on that he wasn't throwing anything more than a dump off to Kamara or a quick slant to Michael Thomas. That was it. That was, that was, it was the one, two, every play. And the, 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 the other, the other part of the play was he would lean back and act like he's going to bomb it almost every single play. He would lean back yeah. and all the DBs would be like, Oh, and then they just dump it off to Kamara every single play. Um, but it's, you know, it, it's just one of those things where it's you can't compare it because the offense is falling off. Like I said, Michael Thomas is leaving. The receivers are not very good behind them, and they're and they're getting injured. And there's no star tight end. It seems like and 
Jameis just makes so many bad decisions with the football. He just makes so many bad decisions. Okay. Just, that's fair. But I, what the question was, where would you draft Drew Brees? He, uh, he would. He End would of the be, first, beginning of the second? He would be bottom, like, ninth quarterback on my list. Sure. Ninth quarterback on your list. So between ninth and 12th pick, probably. Okay. So. He's a high end QB, too. Sure. Well, that, still, that's a low end QB1. If you're ninth. Still efficient. If you're ninth quarterback, you're low end QB one. You're not even the lowest end QB one. You're you're mid mid range QB one because we're I talking guess about I was considering teams. where I was in the draft right now in my head. I was like, I'm right. Have yeah. Okay. So Drew Brees, the last time Jameis had a starting job was with the Buccaneers. Not last year, but the year before. So 2019. I know he threw a ton of interceptions, but he finished fifth in overall points. In our league, in a quarterback double uh, dual flex league, I think he threw 30 something touchdowns, had over 5,000 yards. Okay. He just absolutely just bombed it. It was, it, it was fun to watch, but it was also sometimes embarrassing to watch. I mean, he had a couple, four or five interception games. Um, you put him in the situation where you have Drew Brees as a upper echelon quarterback. And you give him uh, Sean Payton's offense. I know we're missing. I'm not expecting him to be Drew Brees caliber. I know we're missing some strong pieces on the outside. And Michael Thomas seems to have made amends with the Saints, so he will be back. Um, you lost Jared Cook and Troutman's just blocking. I get that. But they have an undrafted free agent that's playing there uh, who has shown up. You still got Kamara. You still got Latavius Murray. Uh, and, and Marquez Callaway has looked like a pure wide receiver one right now. Uh, I, I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I think fourth round was a steal, and there's just no way he's the worst. Jameis can come out and make the most dumb throw in the world. He can come out. I, I understand but that. He might not come out at all. You realize that. That's what I'm sure. He's still fighting. I, I, I'm telling you that Taysom Hill is not a quarterback. I'm telling you that Taysom Hill is a is a utility Swiss Army knife that can they're do all kinds of things. A lot more than they're paying Jameis. Absolutely. Then they're paying him to block punts and catch balls and coming in the red zone and run in touchdowns and do situational things. Jameis is only there to throw the ball. And and I think throw the ball he will. I really honestly think that he's going to uh succeed at that position. And the Saints are I think a huge story this year is going to be the duality of that quarterback position between Taysom Hill and Jameis. I know you didn't look good in the first preseason game, but I, it's going to be like, you know, new Orleans newspapers, you know, top of the front headline, you know, Hill and Jameis win another one top of the division, you know, whatever. I I really honestly think that this combo is going to work for them and they're going to come out and they're going to play really well. And I think James is going to be a big piece of that. So, a lot of um, championship I, games with two starting quarterbacks. Yeah. No, and that's why I think it's going to be a, a top news story. I, that's why I think it's going to be so so newsworthy. I, I think it's, it's like, going to lead to an early draft pick next year. For me They're, or for them? Thanks. And yeah, probably for you if you keep starting Jameis. Yeah. Good. If you, I'm just saying, if you lock your fate with them, yeah. But okay. I mean, you, you've got other options. You just got to hope, you know. They're not as shitty as the masseuse's hands leaving Deshaun Watson's house. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Uh, let's move on to wide receiver. 
I'll start. Uh, Jameson Crowder. I'm sorry, Scott. Uh, you just picked him up off the street. Um, I don't remember. Who was your original wide receiver three that you had there? Uh, I dropped Devontae Parker for him. I just, he's having injury issues. And I already had questions about his offense in general. And I just, you got injury issues already. And it, I didn't like the, it, what it was. So I, I got rid of him. I went for a, uh, another choice, but I'll, I'll let you go ahead and uh, talk first. So. I, I think you, um, we both agree on Tua and how that offense is just a huge question mark. And you know, it looks good on paper, but we, we just don't know what's going to happen. Uh, James and Crowder. Yeah. I, I look for another receiver that may be uh, droppable or free agent. And there's just not a lot around the league. You got to understand 14 teams. We've got 42 receivers. Um, usually the, the people they're, they're going to be startable. They're going to be decent. Um, but Jameson Crowder, a number two receiver, maybe even a slot receiver. Uh, if you have Elijah Moore over there sucking up targets, Corey Davis, they signed to a big contract. Um, this offense isn't as inept as it probably was last year. Uh, I know last year you saw a lot of Braxton Berrios and some other, you know, just scrubs off the street. Um, I think Corey Davis and Elijah Moore are solid starters on the outside. Uh, and so that's going to take away targets. Um, from from Jameson Crowder over the middle. He's also getting a little bit older. And I know he's been a dependable uh, possession guy over the middle, but you just don't know what he's going to be uh, for, on a week-to-week basis. You know, these possession guys like Randall Cobb, Wes Welker in the past have been dependable until they're just suddenly they're not. And uh, they, they really drop off pretty fast. So, Jameson Crowder, although I think that he's probably uh, somebody that should be owned, is being started is is a little bit of a stretch. So I'll let you defend yourself, though. Well, as we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, the Jets defense is going to be pretty awful. So they're going to be letting Zach Wilson kind of be the face of the franchise, which is what they want. So they're going to let him throw a lot because their goal is to beat Trevor Lawrence, which they play him, I think, week two or week three. So if they can win that game and uh, Zach Wilson has a great season overall, he could be uh, uh, offensive rookie of the year and they could be back of not such a uh, – you know, terrible franchise all of a sudden. So they're going to give him the ball every chance he can get. And what do rookie quarterbacks like? Rookie quarterbacks like tight ends and easy throws over the middle. While Corey Davis is, oh, guess what? He's still fucking Corey Davis. So he can't really beat most number one corners in the league because he's still Corey Davis. So while he he's running around, jacking around, being shut the fuck up for two seconds. While he's <laughs> jacking around being covered all over the place, and Zach Wilson wastes his time reading and making his read, he's going to stop doing that all of a sudden. And Elijah Moore is already getting injured, so enough about him. Easy throws to the slot, because who covers a, who covers the slot wide receiver? The number three or four or five corner or even a safety, maybe a linebacker. That guy is a possession wide receiver, like you said. He'll hold on to the ball and not have to risk anything. He's going to be making short throws over the middle because he's a rookie quarterback that's going to have the ball in his hand way too many times. Going for volume. Okay. All right. I, I that's that's some good defense. Good defense. You got a receiver for me? Yeah, I don't like Jalen Waddle. Not a fan. Okay. I mean, kind of the same reason I left. I dropped Devontae Parker. They're both on a questionable defense. They're both getting injured early on. 
I don't trust Tua at all, like you were saying. Uh, like, I mean, I just – he's not dependable to have the arm strength to throw to the outside. So, I, I just – He's going to be looking. He's still basically a rookie quarterback as well. He's looking inside. He's looking at Kaseki. He's looking at other targets. And so I don't. I don't think there's enough volume or and there are already injury risks. So for me, Jalen Waddle's the worst guy. If you can defend him, please. Uh, the only defense that I have Jalen Waddle is that the fact that he played with Tua, so they have a little bit of connection, um, and that if Tua Tua is not like a to me, I just didn't see a lot of it last year. To me, he's not like a guy that's going to stretch the field and bomb it out. And Jalen Waddle's like really good at being underneath and the, the slant and the, you know, the reverse and stuff like that. And he's also returning punts. So while I agree with you, everything about um, the, the Miami offense, I think it's not going to be very good, like at all. Um, I think that. Jalen Waddle definitely needs to be started somewhere. He, I had him. I when I was looking at this, you know, segment, Jalen Waddle was one of mine that I looked at it also because people's receivers are pretty good. I mean, they when you're drafting him, uh, you know, there's probably fifty something receivers drafted, and Waddle is right there near forty. Um, so, so yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I really honestly, I don't have. The, all the confidence in the world in Jalen Waddle, but I think he's definitely somebody that should be started. Uh, all right, let's move to running back. Okay, I got Zach Moss. And let me tell you why, and, and the situation that it, that uh, our, our friend Chase and Arley got in was that he drafted Miles Gaskin. And Miles Gaskin... After, I mean, I've talked about this, you know, the whole Miles Gaskin thing where they tried to put in the waiver for carry on Johnson. It didn't work. It's kind of like a, a light goes off people's head where it's like, wow, they don't have that really that much confidence in, in, in Gaskin. And now Malcolm Brown was running with the ones um, previously. So if, if he was keep starting Gaskin, Gaskin would have been in the spot, but he took Zach Moss and he put him in that spot to replace Gaskin. And I think Zach Moss is, a very, very situational running back, even in his second year. I think he gets a lot more work than Devin Singletary does, but I still think Devin Singletary is going to be involved. And one of my bugaboos about having a running back uh, is a running back on a team with a quarterback who is a goal line threat. And the biggest goal line threat in the entire NFL last year uh, was that at quarterback was Josh Allen. And so when you're on the goal line, yes, you're hoping for those Zach Moss uh, second and third down touches. I just don't know if it's going to be there. That volume's not going to be there. I didn't see a lot of Zach, Zach Moss burst last year where he's just busting off these huge runs. So to me, Zach Moss is a, a running back three and he's being started at that running back two position. Fair enough. I mean, I just uh, while I I don't agree with everything you said. There there is a defense for Zach Moss in that he's in a high power he's in a high powered offense. He's going to be in the red zone very often, and what's playing in his favor is that 
he's the younger running back in the uh, in the backfield compared to Devin Singletary, which will always help him, especially in the length of the season. And the fact that they just signed uh, Josh Allen to a huge contract. So that's going to play in the minds of the coaching and front office kind of play calling of maybe not running him as much and handing the ball off a little bit more to protect their huge investment. So, and to make sure that he's healthy for the playoffs when they have two running backs instead where they could play off either one of them. I could see him having a very big year in something in a way that they could try to protect Josh Allen a little bit more this year. Okay. I mean, that's fair enough. I mean, this is, this is a guy that's going to be, you know, the, um, the face of your franchise for a lot of years and maybe they don't want to have him, you know, turn into a Cam Newton by the time he's 30, which means exactly. That, yeah. Exactly. Okay. okay. That's a fair argument. Uh, you got a running back. I do. Um, so mine is kind of a, he's kind of a shiny, you know, popular choice for running back a lot of times in Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I'm just not sold on it just because the offense does not dictate to running at all, even when they're up. They just don't run the football. Well, they had one game last year. I think they had over like 250 yards rushing. And Andrew Reed was like, oh, yeah, that's great. We're good at that. We should do that more often. And then they never did. They, like, that was it. Like, it doesn't matter. It's kind of – it's exactly like you're saying with the running quarterback that Mahomes will run it sometimes. And even when he doesn't, he'll shovel it to, uh, to Kelsey. He'll no-look it to Tyreek. He'll – uh, do around the back to Nicole Hardman. He doesn't care. Like it's going to be his show at the end of the day. And when you get into the red zone, it's kind of a, are the coaches in charge to make sure they're going to control, uh, control the quarterback or is the quarterback going to be like, look, I'm trying to get 50 plus touchdowns this year and go undefeated and all these things and, you know, have sweet highlights. So and they're like, all right, now let's get six touchdowns from Mahomes. That doesn't spell Clyde Edwards Hilaire to me very often at all. So as high as he's valued, I think he's, he's one of the worst started running backs. Okay. Um, I kind of agree with you there. The, the whole, I mean, last year it was all about CEH. I mean, the best running, the number one running back in the draft was taken at 32 by the team that just won the Super Bowl, which is like to fantasy drafters, a match made in heaven, absolute match made in heaven. And it came out and he had a really good first game. If you remember that, you know, I think it was like the first game of the season. It's like, whoa, CEH was breaking tackles, catching balls. I mean, the guy was a maniac really just didn't get the the looks that he wanted um, the the rest of the time out. He just kind of like fizzled out and it became the Patrick Mahomes show again, which deservedly so should have been. Um, I think that what <laughs> managers are hoping this year is that Andy Reid comes out and tries to do something different, tries to shake it up, tries to fool defenses and run the ball more and get the ball to CEH in space. And if you want my opinion, don't fix what's not broken. Uh, the loss of Sammy Watkins does not mean, you know, big things. And, you know, for, 
for CEH. I don't think. I still think it's going to be the Patrick Mahomes show. I still think it could be the Patrick Mahomes show on the goal line. Uh, you know, shovel passes to Kelsey. Mahomes can run it in. There's so many different things that can happen. And CEH just was not shown. I think there was like a game last year where CEH got like four carries on the goal line. And they it was like fourth and one. And he just failed every time. He's just not a goal line back. He's just not. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't think his touchdown numbers really go up unless he can he can get a lot more, uh, you know, catches out, out in space with the screen game. I do. I think he's the worst. Not even close. I think that that's just that's. I'm not going to hate on you for having that opinion um, because you know that's. It, it, it's more about the worst running back at his value. I at his value, like. okay. Yeah, yeah. It's not necessarily the worst running back. I just feel like for and especially one that like for is very high in people's boards and, and a lot of leagues. Like, I feel like he's, he's really overvalued. Yeah. Especially because if you're going by projections. They spent a lot. I mean, yeah, if you, if you got CH in your league, you probably spent like a good amount on that, on that player. So, so yeah, no, I'm not going to agree with you, but I can see where you're coming from. Um, the, 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 I mean, I've already kind of defended this, but I think that if CH is going to succeed, um, it's going to be because all the managers are right. And Andy Reid comes out and says, you know, someday we're not going to be able to win uh, by just throwing the ball, you know, 60 times a game. We're going to have to come out and run. We're going to have to mix things up. And maybe he does that this year to try to, to uh, you know, uh, mix things up a little bit. And maybe CEH does get that top 10 value that everybody was hoping that he'd always get. Um, but Again, it's a Patrick Mahomes show, and it's going to be really tough to to break that down. So, all right, let's move to tight end. Our our last little segment of of this show. Uh, I'm going to go with Mike Gesicki. You know, we I talked about Fant earlier, and there's a there's a growing theme between us. We don't agree on a lot of things here, Scott, but there's a growing theme. Well, I think that, that that creates a good show, though. It's, it throws, yeah. throws a little fire because people want to hear two different sides. You know, I know. Two, two, we don't agree on much, but what I'm saying, I, I think we do agree on one thing, and that's that the Miami offense is very suspect. They, they, I do agree they are suspect, but I will defend Gusecki. Okay. All right. All right. Well, well let, me, let me get this out. Okay. So. If Miami is going to come out and not be suspect, if they're going to come out and be uh, the the team that that we all you know thought that they would be uh, with Tua, with all these early round draft picks, they got Waddle and and you know they uh, what Will Fuller the Fuller V yeah they got Will Fuller Waddle uh, Devonte Parker Gasecki uh, yeah. Uh, Gaskin and uh, Malcolm Brown. I mean, their defense is loaded too. That's the biggest thing is that like their defense can keep them in good field position in, in any game as long as Tua doesn't uh, turn the ball over. Basically, right, right, right. And and so, yeah, if they're going to do that, they're going to have to get the ball on the outside to Devonte Parker, to Will Fuller, to Waddle. They're going to have to get them involved. Uh, they're they're going to have to get the run game involved because Tua is just not a guy that's going to be able to throw forty or fifty times a game. Where would you rank Gasecki on these options? Maybe above Waddle? Maybe three? Probably four. The fourth check down 
on a suspect offense is just not somebody I want on my team at all. I, I think Gasecki's a fine tight end. I think he's a, a good, sure hands kind of guy that can really uh, battle for a ball one-on-one. And he's, like I said, he's a good tight end. I just don't think he's ownable in fantasy leagues right now. And I think that Noah Fan is definitely a better choice at that spot. Um, and there, there may be some others that I think could succeed at that spot over him. So what, 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 what kind of Gusecki defense do you have? Okay. Well, so while I agree a lot of what you're saying, you're looking at it from the wrong perspective. You're looking at it like from the head coach or like you're playing the Miami Dolphins in, uh, in Madden and you're like, who's my best wide receivers? I'm going to throw it to that guy. You're not playing it like Tua. Tua is going to snap the ball and go, where's the closest guy to me? Oh, it's Kaseki. Oh, there he is. <laughs> Every play in his head, that's what's going on. That's Tua in a nutshell right there. You, okay. you, if, if the coach starts yelling at him to look at Waddle and Devontae Parker, he might look at him, sure. But he knows, bottom of his heart, if he throws out there, that corner is going to get there two years before the ball does because he doesn't have the fucking arm for it. So – Every single play, his first read is going to be Gasecki, then running back, and then back to Gasecki, and then back to Sack. And that's <laughs> going to be the game for Tua. And his best friend is that the front office didn't draft another quarterback behind him, and they got rid of Ryan Fitzpatrick. So it's volume time for Tua. That's why I think like the biggest thing for Goff is, too, is they got nothing, nobody behind him. It's just volume all day for him and Hawkinson. And Gusecki. So I think like it's not that bad a day for Gusecki. Uh, and like they're going to give him plenty of chances. And off of the play action, that's going to be his first read every time is Gusecki. Okay. All right. I mean, that's, that's fair. You can say Gusecki is going to be his, his security blanket. Um, you got a tight end? I do. I do. Uh, I, I, I'm not a huge fan of Logan Thomas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that he ha- got had great numbers last year, very gaudy numbers, but those were with completely different quarterbacks and Alex Smith, Mr. Checkdown, Lord Checkdown, basically. Mm-hmm. And then a couple, you know, Heineke and a couple other random guys that were also going to be doing the same thing, looking for their uh, for their uh, security blanket in the tight end. And so I think his numbers are very inflated going into a year with, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who is known for bombing it, known for throwing to the outside, loving his wide receivers, making his wide receivers fantasy relevant wherever he goes. I don't, I've never really heard of a fantasy relevant tight end that much with Ryan Fitzpatrick. So I think while he is decent, I think he's going to drop off the board. Okay. All right. I mean, that's, that's, that's fair enough, but I'm going to disagree with you. I'm going to disagree with you pretty strongly. Uh, I think that their, their pass game is so much better this year with Fitzpatrick. Terry McLaurin uh, is, go- is going to uh, really boost that. Uh, Curtis Samuel is, is going to play a part in that pass game. And I think Logan Thomas showed what he can do last year. I don't think he's really a flash in the pan. Uh, you know, he, he played a big part in our fantasy championship coming out and, uh, and, and really boosting Cameron's team over the top in the playoffs. I think one of the big things that you look at 
in in receivers and tight ends how did they finish last year and logan thomas finished really 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 strong with a with an inferior quarterback so i think logan thomas is 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 a good top 10 i think he's definitely a top 10 uh tight end i think he's gonna have a a, a decent season not gonna you know peep that top five but uh decent enough that uh that yeah that he's gonna be pretty good fair enough so yeah, all right, guys. That's pretty much it. Uh, you know, hold on. Sorry, my baby was. I'm gonna. Uh, my baby got to, got up the stairs and <laughs> this is like sitting there, no gate. Yeah. Little running back. All right. Uh, all right, guys. That's just about it. That's all we have for you this week. Um, starting in. Let's see. About. Is it next week? Uh, yeah, it's no. It's two weeks from today or two weeks from Tuesday. Uh, we're gonna be start doing two episodes a week. Um, we're going to have one where we just talk about news and notes from around the league. And then there's going to be one uh, dedicated to just the gridiron league uh, and, and the happenings going on, the trades, transactions, the standings and whatnot, matchups and whatnot. So um, I'm looking forward to this Scott, Is there anything you got to say before we go? I'm looking forward to it as well. Um, I just want to remind people that, especially right now. Well, yes, you don't want to read too much into preseason things, but like when we get start going, getting in like really close to week one and as actions going on during week one, week two, there are about probably I'd say two to five players in the waiver wires right now that will be uh, drafted in the first five rounds next year. There, there are there are stars out there that you we will know their names by the end of this season. So uh, I always remind people, no matter how good your team is or how great you're doing during the season, never be complacent. Okay. Hey, that's fair. That is definitely fair. Um, thanks for that input. All right, guys. We will see you guys next week. Same time, same place. See you later. Yeah.